Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast as a part of the Fansided Podcasting Network. On today's show, we'll talk about Chris Jones, as I told you on Monday we would. We'll also talk about the entire defensive line that's been playing exceptional the last few weeks. And also, could the Chiefs be recruiting... David Johnson. I'm Ryland Styles. You can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And joining me is Grant Tuttle. You can find him on Twitter at Grant TMN Tuttle. Grant, how are you doing today? I am well. I uh, I found some time in my schedule. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but if you get a master's degree um, and you have a job, uh, life gets hard and it's hard to have hobbies. So I am here and I am glad to be back. That's very true. And let's get right into the Chiefs' topics. I mentioned on the Patriots recap how great Chris Jones was, but there was a lot of other things to talk about during that game. And at this point, it's kind of getting hard to, to, to keep discussing Chris Jones because he's so good. What else can you say about this dominant force? But he really is a game changer. He's a game breaker. He can absolutely destroy an offensive line and an opposing team's offense. And I think it's clear at this point no matter what you give up for Frank Clark, no matter what you gave to Frank Clark, you have to pay Chris Jones. The way that he brings that swagger and intensity, getting in Tom Brady's face, sacking Tom Brady, helping out, pressuring Tom Brady, and allowing other guys to get sacks on Tom Brady, the way he changed that game, again proved that he is worth every penny of whatever contract he later on gets from any team, but yeah. it better be the Kansas City Chiefs. Because in the NFL, you cannot let elite players like him walk. Yeah, so he's a great pass rusher, and I mean, he leaves a little bit to be desired in the run game, uh, but that is not what you bring him in for. That's why you have rotational guys like Derek Nottie, uh and Colin Saunders. Um, but Jones is among the best uh, interior pass rushers in the NFL. Um, of course, he's he's not on, quite on the same tier as Aaron Donald because nobody is, um, but he, in my opinion, should be definitely... Um, like uh, extended, I think that uh, he showed he's shown time and time again this season that he by himself can own the interior defensive line. Uh, that was exemplified in the Patriots game because the Patriots were on their third string center, and so uh, yeah, you probably don't want to have your third string center uh, lined up against Chris Jones. But uh, Spagnolo said uh, that's what we're doing. Wherever he lines up, you line up with him, and uh, it worked to perfection. And the defensive line as a whole has been playing extremely well this entire year. Of course, even without Emmanuel Ogba, who was their sack leader uh, and who's on the IR right now. Frank Clark had another good game against the Patriots despite battling the flu. Passanio has been incredible in this new system. As much as the secondary has improved, this defensive line has even improved from last year whenever they were even good a year ago. They've gotten even better with Passanio and Frank Clark and Chris Jones, and it's really been a staple of this Kansas City Chiefs team. Yeah, uh, by far. I, I, I think that a lot has been made out of the defensive line because, I mean, you look at up and down that line and they have names. Like Frank Clark and Chris Jones are the two guys that when you think of the defense, they come to mind along with Honey Badger, of course. 
but um, yeah, it's been a staple uh, for the for the entire team, and a lot of people are starting to come around on this Chiefs defense. Um, I still see some national media saying, "Oh, that that defense isn't any good," but. If you look at the way they've played the last four, three, four weeks, uh, with the exception of the, the Titans game, obviously, they have been a dominant defense. They haven't been a good defense. They've been a great defense. Um, I, I think that what we're going to see is um, a healthier and healthier Frank Clark. That being said, I think it should be mentioned that he's seeing a specialist this week for stomach problems. Uh, so friendly reminder to get your flu shot so you don't have what Frank Clark has. Um and uh, he uh, had a dominant game against uh, Isaiah Wynn uh, despite having the flu. Uh, it was his uh, Michael Jordan flu, flu game. So um, take that for what you will. But, yeah, you are absolutely right. The defensive line has been phenomenal. Uh, and it's, it's really a, a testament to, um, to Brett Veach's ability to build um, depth at that position. Which Frank Clark called on Twitter, if you follow him there, or saw it retweeted. He posted the Michael Jordan flu game on Friday or Saturday, and then he went out and dominated. It was like Babe Ruth in his prime. But also, <laughs> on this defensive line, you have you know guys like Alex Okafor who's been stepping up. And you know that's been a common theme throughout this season for this defense is, although they weren't dominant against the Titans, they did enough to win the football game. Most of these yeah, losses I- have not been on the defense. And they get this same sort of narrative around them. And it's kind of like if we want to do a cross-sport analogy, it's kind of like the OU defense. OU last year was abysmal. The year before that, they were even worse. They were a terrible unit as a whole. This year, they have done enough to win football games. They're in the top 25 of all statistical categories. And yet, if you listen to the pundits talk, they all say that they're the same terrible defense that they were two years ago, which is not true. And it's just the fact that we have so so many media outlets now and so many people commentating on games and and giving their opinions and their takes that they cannot possibly be watching all of these games and so they just throw out whatever they think is the norm for this for this team. Patrick Mahomes has not been as efficient as he was last year. That doesn't mean he's been bad or doesn't mean he's been terrible or he's not been elite. He's still been elite, but again, people just say that he's been this otherworldly quarterback, which hasn't really been true this year because of the injuries, because of the hand, the knee, the shoulder, whatever may be bothering him. He got he had got his ribs hurt on Sunday. I mean, he's had a, a terrible season in terms of luck that's caused him not to be otherworldly. So there's a lot of reasons for all yeah. this stuff. And, you know, sometimes the, the national media just kind of runs with whatever happened last year and continues it on yeah. this year. It, it, it's really the Chiefs have gone from having one strength, and that was a pass rush, to now having an actual complementary defense. I don't think enough is being made of how well the defensive backs have actually played um, all offseason long. We were, you and I included, were calling, we need a cornerback. We need cornerbacks, right? We were saying that. So the, 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 the thing is, is that Spagnolo, his staff, really needs a lot of credit for how well they play together as a unit. Uh, Charvarius Ward is not a household name. Bashad Breland was the third cornerback in, in Green Bay. Uh, I mean, like, these are these are fine pieces, but they're not guys that people are like, oh, man, those are elite corners. And yet they are playing very good coverage. They have one of the best DVOAs, uh, and they, they've, played, they've played really well on the back end, stopping the pass. Um, and I think that that needs to be mentioned more. So I think it's, it's a mixture of the two. I think the defensive line has been helping the defensive backfield and vice versa. Yeah, this secondary is why you pay Spags. It's why you go get Spags. That's why everyone was so excited whenever they did get Spags because 
while the players deserve credit this year, Traverius Ward, everyone who stepped up, they did not just get so overwhelmingly good overnight. They did not just become these <clears throat> actually good players from what they were a year ago overnight. It was Bob Sub- Bob Sutton really putting them in bad spots where Spags is really taking advantage and, and showing what they can do and, I don't want to say hiding them, but, but just making a, a system that they can thrive in. And that's been the biggest difference between this year and last year. And you've done all this in the secondary without Kendall yeah. Fuller, who going into the year we thought would be the best cornerback. He's only played eight games. He's, he's played half a season, four starts. He has been, and it's not his fault, he's been hurt. But it's just so impressive that, that even without him, they've had a huge improvement in the secondary position. Yeah, I, I think that um, Spagnolo has done the opposite of Bob Sutton in the way that he has found what his guys do well, and he has schemed around them, unlike Sutton, who had a scheme and asked his guys to stick to it um, regardless of how they played. Uh, that was exemplified last year over and over again. Um, the Patriots ran the same three or four plays in the AFC Championship game. I hate to even think about the AFC Championship game right now, uh, of last year, but uh, yeah, it was just it was a slant to Edelman, it was a halfback dive, it was a pass downfield to Gronk, just over and over and over again. And uh, Sutton's uh, Sutton stuck to his guns, said, "This is my defense. You guys need to play it better." Spagnolo says, "This is what you do well. Let me put you in a position to succeed." And I think that has come through in big ways as they as the season has p- progressed. Uh, they have um, they have really worked together and gotten stronger. Yeah, you know, the, the first rant on the show was about Brashad Breeland and how he was god-awful in Washington. He was, at best, mediocre in Green Bay. And on Sunday, he got an interception on Tom Brady, which the play, of course, he got beat, but Tom Brady just made a terrible read. And then he made the game-winning stop, on, you know, in the end zone. So credit to Brashad Breeland for even stepping up there, but... Again, I think that that's more had to do with Spags and the way that he generates a pass rush to protect the secondary, and then he teaches them, of course, from there, how to execute their job. Mm-hmm. But that was a textbook pass breakup from Bashad Breland. I've been, of course, his biggest critic, even whenever he was in Washington, but he does deserve the uh, credit there for, for breaking that pass up. I was for sure that they were going to call something. I was thinking there's no way that the Chiefs are going to survive New England without some sort of call, some sort of you know heartbreak, but they did. They got the win. That was a huge win. For Kansas City last year, last year that's a touchdown. Just yeah, FYI, last year that is a one hundred percent touchdown. Looking so, at you, Orlando Scandrick, uh, be grateful. Yeah, <laughs> Scandrick is no. Actually, if it's against Scandrick, then Scandrick drags him to the ground and his pass interference. So yeah, the, but you know this defense really deserves a lot more credit. Like I said, they get a lot of flack for the Titans game and stuff, but in the Titans game. I've talked about this at nauseum. Right after the Titans game happened, even even so much so as Monday, the Titans game, they did their job. They did what we asked them to do in August. They got the they got the game winning stop twice, and 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 the offense just pissed it away. So I mean, there's nothing that they can do about that when you give the ball back to the MVP and the Hall of Fame coach with two minutes left. That game has to be over. It just has to be over. You cannot put them back on the field and tell them to go win it again. But yeah. They've really started turning around here recently. Even in the Chargers game, they got multiple stops that should have ended the game, and their offense kept putting them back on the field. And luckily, in that game, they stood up. Absolutely, They made those stops. They're not getting the recognition they deserve outside of Kansas City, in my opinion. Yeah, I am 100% with you on that. 
And then I want to go off the script a little bit because this is something that I realized I forgot to talk about on Monday uh, at length. I talked about it a little bit. Uh, but Travis Kelsey. I mean, nine targets, six receptions, 66 yards. That's all fine and well. But this year, he has not been as sharp as he has been in years past. Fumbling issues, drop issues. I know that they've had Matt Moore in there for a couple games, which you know obviously is going to hurt people's production. But Travis Kelsey just does not look the same to me, week in and week out. That play which he fumbled on that let, let the Patriots right back in the game, that was a boneheaded decision. That was a decision that rookies make, second-year players make. That's not a decision that you expect from a supposedly elite-level tight end, supposedly the best tight end in football. You do not run backwards, try to get those extra yards, try to get your 1,000-yard mark, and end up fumbling, and really it could have cost the Chiefs the game right there by trying to maneuver and go backwards and shift around and try to get those extra yards. I'm just going to say, before I get into Travis Kelsey, uh, that is the kind of game that New England typically wins. Uh, If they turn you over a couple times in Foxborough, it's over, you lose the game. Tom Brady is not the same player that he once was. I said this before the season started, uh, but people were like, oh, everybody says that every year, but for real, like, name a time that that's ever happened where somebody's turned the ball over twice uh, in critical situations um, and one in Foxborough. But anyway, going to Travis Kelsey, he is still an elite route runner. Um, for some reason, he has not been able to hold onto the ball, uh, whether it's catching, whether it's running with the ball, he's fumbling, he's dropping passes. And I think a lot of it has to do with these guys have been in and out of the lineup. The offensive line hasn't been in flow. They like they haven't they haven't had a a, a team effort uh, in practice for an entire week. Uh, Mahomes is out. Uh, Hill is out. Um, offensive linemen are rotating in and out. I mean, they just really haven't had any solid uh, solidarity uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I, they have three weeks to get it right. Um, and I think they can. Um, and I think Travis Kelsey definitely can. It's just he needs to, I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but he is, he is not taking care of the football. We've seen more people uh, today in the NFL trying to um, punch the ball out, and maybe that's affecting his game more. I don't know, um, but it is, you're right. I mean, I mean he's not, he's not uh, as sharp. I wouldn't say he's a bad tight end. I think he's still, you know, top three. I would argue top, top tight end. Uh, I would actually say he's still better than Kittle. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, I think that it's just, it's a matter of getting all of the offense on the same page and, uh, working through it. And I think Andy Reid is still holding back some place. Uh, notice that we saw in the first half against New England, the Chiefs were able to move the ball down the field pretty easily. They were sending Hill in motion. They were doing things that they were doing last year. And then once they got that lead, they said, oh, I think we're done now. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I think that to your point, uh, Travis Kelsey can improve, and I think he will. Yeah, I, I think that there's no point to write off Travis Kelsey. That wasn't my intention. I think he's still elite, but he has to just be smarter. I mean, it's been a constant thing in his career that he's made some questionable decisions that have cost the Chiefs in big moments. That could have been yet another one added to the list. I think that eventually he'll get that wake-up call. I think it'll happen sooner rather than later. But... Again, there's still time. You know, it it feels like Christmas is right around the corner and New Year's, and it feels like the season's coming to an end and we're going to lose football and and everything's happening so fast. But they still have time to work these things out. 
I did like the wildcat formation that we saw from Andy Reid. Yeah. I would have preferred him to keep his foot on the gas. I hope that what we're saying is right. I've been saying it as well the last two weeks of he's kind of holding on to things for the playoffs because he saw last year when he unveiled his entire bag of tricks from weeks one to 17. It had... Yes. It really had a, a, a bad effect on the playoffs because then they've, they've seen everything. They can defend you better. It happens, it happens every year with Andy Reid. The, the Chiefs always start hot, um, with the exception of the year that they went like one in five and still came back and went to the playoffs. The Chiefs and Andy Reid typically always start off hot, and that's because Andy Reid is showing the league things that they've never seen before. And I, I, th- I don't think we've seen much of that this year. I don't think we've seen much of creative Andy. And a lot of people have criticized Andy Reid for saying for putting too much on Patrick Mahomes. And I, and I think that's that's fair. I, I, I think when you have an MVP quarterback, you can put a lot on his shoulders. But I think that he has put a little bit too much on him, especially considering his injuries. Um, but I think, I really do, I think that they're going to start getting Michael Hardman more involved. Uh, I think they're going to start putting Tyreek Hill in the backfield more, like we saw a little bit against the Patriots. I think they're going to try some things uh, later on that we still haven't seen. Uh, and I think that's something to be excited about. Yeah, I, I think here in the next few weeks, you know, even this week, that we're going to see a lot more Mikael Hardman than Sammy Watkins. I think that they're going to start ushering in Hardman in that Watkins role, preparing for Watkins to not be with the team next year. Uh, and I think Mikael Hardman has has earned it. I think this year has played better than Sammy Watkins in the in the receiving category. Of course, he's had issues returning punts and kicks, but in terms of being a receiver, I think he's played better than Sammy Watkins. I think he has more skill than Sammy Watkins at this point in their careers, and I think that. He might even have a better rapport with Patrick Mahomes than Sammy Watkins. But I hope that it is just what we've been talking about. I've been talking about it for the past two weeks. You said it today that the Chiefs are kind of holding on to some of those some of those gimmicky plays. You know that you know gimmicky is as really a bad word to use because it sounds so derogatory. But you know some of those plays that you don't you don't really expect whenever you're the opposing team. I hope that they're holding on to those plays and it's not just the smoke screen of what they've done every year because Sunday Andy Reid and his past really reared its ugly head again like you said they they drove down the field consistently after the first two drives of of offense second half comes they go stagnant they can't put up points they can't keep their front on the gas Patriots come back and then luckily the defense saved the day again for another time this season and they were able to win that football game but that has been a common story for Andy Reid of of getting up early not keeping his foot on the gas almost losing the lead or losing the lead and then losing the game. Yeah. Well, Andy Reid did say after the game that uh, he started calling a more conservative game because Patrick Mahomes was having trouble gripping the ball uh, due to swelling in his hand and strength in his hand uh, because of the injury. So, I mean, that could be part of it. But, I mean, I've seen it too much from Andy to be like, oh, yeah, he that's the exact reason why. No, I, I think part of it is that he just got conservative. Uh, I, I think that's a fair criticism of Andy. It's always been an, uh, a criticism of Andy. So um, I just hope that we see uh, what I think we're going to see in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Now, I'm not ready to, to say that it's going to happen again the same way that it's happened every year of Andy Reid's career where he does blow leads like that. I'm also not ready to say what, 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 what you're saying. I'm agreeing with you in the sense of, just because he's saying it was because of Mahomes' injury doesn't mean I'm going to absolutely believe that either. Let's just see what happens yeah. this year, and then we'll make the sweeping judgments. I'll tell you this, though. if With this defense, how much has improved? With Patrick Mahomes, with Tyreek Hill on offense, with Travis Kelsey, 
if he cannot apply the pressure this year, if he cannot keep his foot on the gas this year, he's never going to do it. He's never going to do it. You have an overwhelming defensive line, which is huge, especially with the competition you're going to be playing. You have a top four secondary in most statistical categories, which is huge. You're probably not going to get that in Kansas City again because of who you have to pay down the line. You're about a couple months away from giving Patrick Mahomes $400 million and a stake in ownership of the Royals if you want to. This team is not going to be able to, be able to maintain a high-level defense for much longer given how much that they have to pay on offense. So if this year he cannot sweep the leg, keep his foot on the gas, whatever analogy you want to use, if he cannot do that this year with this team, he's never going to change. He's never going to do it, and that's why he got ran out of Philadelphia, and that's why if it happens again this year, he'll eventually get ran out of Kansas City. I will push back on that a little bit. Uh, I think Andy Reid is still one of the greatest minds in football. I think he has some tendencies that he needs to break. Uh but you don't I break tendencies don't four decades into your career. Like it, this is just who he is at this point. And really, yeah. you, you've seen a lot of offensive minds that would love to get their hands on Patrick Mahomes. And I think that they're not going to they're not going to fire him after this offseason, no matter how it ends. They could lose in the wild card round. They're not going to yeah. fire Andy Reid. They're probably not going to fire him next year either. But this is going to be a destination for the for the elite level coaches as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. No, I I mean. Yeah, but you gotta you have to also take into consideration uh, how big Andy Reid has become in the Kansas City front office. I mean, at first was that both Andy Reid and John Dorsey reported to Clark Hunt. Now John Dorsey was fired, and Andy Reid got his guy Brett Veach. Andy Reid is in charge there, so in order for them to even come, think about firing him, Clark Hunt would have to come down and make that decision, and Chiefs fans would have to clamor about. Uh, wanting him fired and I just don't see that happening when the Chiefs continuously get to the playoffs and continuously have a chance at the Super Bowl I I think maybe once it happens like in Philadelphia where the Chiefs uh, if they start having four and 12 seasons then yeah absolutely I think that people will start talking about the end of Andy Reid but I just don't buy the idea that he's going to be out of here regardless of what happens unless he has a terrible season with Patrick Mahomes. But right now he has plenty of excuses. Uh, The offensive line has not been particularly good all season. Uh, And he has the excuse that that, um, he has no running game. I mean, like, he has excuses. Like, when he runs out of excuses, that's when he gets in trouble. So I I, I disagree with you to an extent, but I think that that it would take a lot to remove Andy Reid. I appreciate you saying that Brett Veach is his guy and not his puppet, which... Nonetheless, let's move on from that. But I don't think that, that it's going to happen this year. I think that even if he doesn't keep his foot on the gas, doesn't sweep the leg, doesn't continue to put pressure with this team, and he loses to the Bills in the wild card game, I don't think that he's going to get fired. He could do that again next year, and I don't think he's going to get fired. But eventually, you're going to have to make a move because he's not going to change. If he doesn't change this year and at least try to do all that, now, now it could fail – It could fail because of the offensive line. It could fail because Mahomes can't grip a football. But you have to try to put your foot on the gas and try not to get conservative, no matter the circumstances. And even if it fails, then that's okay. But I want to see him try to put a game away. He has not done that in the course of his career. And if he doesn't do that this year, then, frankly, he's never going to do it. And and we can either, as Chiefs fans, live with that fact and live with the fact that Mahomes' prime is going to be spent with the guy who can't get over the hump who can't put his foot on the gas, who cannot add pressure and win a football game and go out and take what is his. There's been plenty of wins in his career that he's just given away. 
a ton come to mind in Kansas City, even more come to mind in Philadelphia. If he cannot change his ways this year, again, even if it fails, because there are a lot of circumstances this specific year in which that might not even help, but if he cannot even attempt to do that this year, then he's frankly never going to change. And then the end is closer than we think. And it's not going to be this year. It won't be next year. It probably won't be the year after that. But then we're getting into territory where fans will finally start to turn on him as they did in Kansas City. Those fans in Philadelphia turned on him long before he started losing football games and missing the playoffs. They were turning on him while they were still making the playoffs consistently because eventually playoffs are no longer good enough for franchises. And we're well for fan bases. Franchises love it. They make money. They get the extra shirts sold, the hats sold. Did you buy one of those AFC West shirts are not enough? Those look pretty sweet, but I'm not going to buy one. But nonetheless. No. Not buying I, I don't think he's going to get fired. I don't think fans will turn on him this year. But I'm saying it's time to realize if he cannot do that this year, if he cannot tell Spags to send blitzes every time and, and do whatever he needs to do and not go into prevent mode, if he cannot tell himself not to go into prevent mode and start playing conservatively and coaching conservatively this year, then it's never going to happen. And 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 you can either be okay with that and and, and not find any problems with that as, as the head coach, or I think that we'll start seeing some people speak out about that if it happens again this year. And like I said, it could fail. It could very well fail because of all the circumstances around him. But I have to see him at least try. There is a reason that he's been around for so long and that he's one of the winningest coaches in football. I, I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want too much Andy Reid slander on this podcast. Uh, so, I, I mean, there's a reason he's been so successful uh, in the regular season. Now, postseason, you are absolutely right. He's had trouble clock management, and that's what's ultimately got him in trouble. But let's not forget how effective of a coach he is. Well, nobody's forgetting how good of a coach he is. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's an elite head coach. He's still, to this day, one of the best coaches in the NFL, but he's also had the same problems that are that are not fixable, and just like the Eagles weren't, I'm not in the business of wasting Patrick Mahomes' career if he cannot change what he's doing. And this could all be a, mute, a moot point if we get to January, and he's lighting up teams in the first half and second half. That's really all I want to see. I want to see Mahomes play the same game in terms of play calling, in the first half and the second half. I want to see those those leashes get off him in that, in that second half because in the second half, as he done Sunday, he gets a lot more conservative. And you can say it's because of the hand, as he did in the post game. but eventually there should be no more excuses and you have to at least try to continue to play your game because when he plays his game, when he coaches the way he wants to coach, when he, when he calls the plays he wants to call in the first half, they are elite and they look almost unstoppable. I want to see that for an entire football game. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I can still say all this while acknowledging he's an elite head coach. Just like if you say anything negative about Patrick Mahomes, fans will also hit you with, well, he's the the best uh, quarterback in football. Yes, that's very well true. But he was shaky in the the first two drives of that Patriots game. He's been shaky in the first half of most big games he's played in. You can acknowledge Mm -hmm. that while also acknowledging he is an elite quarterback. You can acknowledge that. Andy Reid has failed consistently in the playoffs and has gotten conservative consistently in the playoffs, no matter the circumstances, while still being an elite head football coach. And sometimes, even while you're elite, you need to change. And that's not going to happen this year. It won't happen next year. It won't even happen three years from now. But eventually, they're going to need a change from him if he cannot change this year. And why I'm making a big deal about this year is because if he doesn't change this year, then there's, there's no longer hope for me that he'll change. 
I'll go into next year thinking, okay, well, he's going to get conservative. Can the Chiefs overcome that? I'll go into the year after that thinking the same thing. I came into this year thinking, okay, maybe. Maybe he can change because this is his second year with Mahomes. He has a better defense now. I want to see that come to flourishing. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree uh, with that sentiment. I just, I, I think he has a lot of swing. And as long as they're winning playoff games or at least getting to the second round, I think as long as they're not getting beat in the wild card round, he'll be around for a really long time. Um, I mean, he is getting older. Uh, eventually he's going to retire, but he loves the game. So um, we'll just have to see on that, I guess. I, I just, I, I have a little bit of uh of a disagreement that he is so close to, uh, I, I mean, even within five years, I think is is crazy because of what he he had Mahomes to an MVP season last year. Uh, I mean, he is known for having really good success with quarterbacks. I just, I just kind of, I, I can't see it. We'll see. Um, but I agree with your point that he needs to be able to turn it on. So we'll leave it at that. Let's get into some of the news. The Honey Badger took to, took to Twitter to recruit David Johnson, his old teammate in Arizona. David Johnson this year has played in 11 games. He has rushed for 336 yards. Sounds like a Chiefs running back. Insert any name you want to. And two touchdowns. Last year he had 900 yards. For his career he has 3,119 yards. Okay, I guess. I mean, he's 27 years old. There, he's not going to get more than a one or two year deal. It would just be it would just be Carlos Hyde all over again. Now it would be a little bit better than Carlos Hyde. He'll actually make the team, but I don't think he's that that changer of an offense um, that he once was. He once was an elite running back in this league for a year or two. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that you know he's had a rough go of it in in Arizona injuries and that team being god awful, especially that offensive line being god-awful, but I would much rather see this Chiefs team go into the draft and get DeAndre Swift, go into the draft and get any running back that that they want. Just pick pick their choice of running back. I do think that they need to add a running back in some form or fashion, but I think it needs to be for more longevity than than David Johnson has left and for more talent than current David Johnson has. Now, now again, he was a pro bowler and all pro. He has had a a very good career since the 2015 draft uh, whenever the Cardinals took him in the third round. But I think that you need to set this team up for the future. I, I don't think that he'll add anything in 2020 that you can't get, you know, that, that you can't just get off the streets. I, I think that that's just who he is now. And again, he, he's had tough circumstances. It's not all his fault. The injuries, the the terrible offensive line, the Cardinals running him into the ground. You can you can go down the list of things that he's had, you know, go against him in a certain standpoint. But I'd much rather see the Chiefs go out and draft the running back. But I understand why Tyron Matthew might want David Johnson here, a guy he's familiar with, a guy he was probably friends with, uh, and a guy he probably believes in. He probably believes that if you if you sign David Johnson and you get him in this offense, you get him with this passing game, you get him with Andy Reid, who's been able to scheme up offensive lines in the sense of they don't have big-name offensive linemen, they don't have that highly paid offensive linemen, but yet they still get the job done when they're healthy. He probably thinks that if you put him in this offense, he's going to go back to his elite form. He's going to go back to 2016. I think the injuries are far are far too gone now for him to ever get back to wherever he was one of considered one of the best running backs in football. I agree. I, I think he's not the player that he he once was. Um, I will give you give the same caveat that you did where 
Uh, he definitely has had a bad offensive line uh, since he's been in Arizona. He's not had a good quarterback uh, other than Kyler Murray this year, and Kyler Murray's pretty shaky thus far in his career. He's had ups, he's had downs. But um, I wouldn't mind a cheap deal for David Johnson, but I totally agree. This, this, uh, this draft is loaded with uh, running back talent. Uh, I, I'm already starting to dive into that. Uh, I hope to have some more draft analysis coming up, but there are a lot of running backs that will probably go into the fourth round that will be top tier guys. So I prefer that route. It's cheaper. Uh, and I think you can get the same production because running backs don't really matter. And I'm still on that bus. Uh, but David Johnson wouldn't be the worst uh, addition on a cheap deal. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get more than a two year contract. And in the NFL with the way contracts are set up, they're not fully guaranteed. There's ways to get out of them. I'm not going to be mad if they sign David Johnson to a two year contract. I'm also not going to be thrilled. We're not going to have an emergency podcast for the David Johnson signing, thinking that this is going to get the Chiefs over the hump if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, which they very well could. I know that last segment kind of got away from us, but they could win the Super Bowl here in, a, here in the next few weeks. But I don't think that David Johnson will do anything for me in terms of excitement. A nice little piece, and then and then we'll start talking more about the, the technicalities. Well, you put him with Mahomes, you put him with this offense, could he get back there? But I would much rather, like, like we've said, get, get a running back in the draft I, again, David Johnson signing wouldn't make me frustrated because, of course, they're not going to give him any sort of length or money. It would not make me mad, but I just think that there's a better use of those resources than to go get David Johnson. But again, I understand why Honey Badger would recruit him. It's no big deal. Honey Badger is actually a pretty good guy to follow on Twitter and a good guy in general. I don't know why I stopped at Twitter, but you know what he's been doing in the community has been uh, pretty <laughs> cool to see. Uh, but an update on Patrick Mahomes. We went 33 minutes before we talked about Patrick Mahomes, which should be a sin and frankly should get us fired, but Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> his hand is okay. That's all we know right now. It's a bruise. Again, I, I told you on Monday, I don't know how, how deep the bruise is. I don't, I don't have the access to Patrick Mahomes' hand as much as I would like to have, but but it's okay for now. We'll see if he can play on Sunday. Drew Locke, of course, is looking forward to this matchup, returning to Kansas City his hometown, and, mm-hmm. and, and playing Mahomes, hopefully, and not Matt Moore, and playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It'll be, an, it'll be a special atmosphere, which we'll talk more about in the, in, the, in the Broncos preview, but it'll be a special atmosphere for him. It'll be a special atmosphere for the Chiefs, and hopefully Mahomes can play. Although, I wouldn't be too upset if he didn't play. I, I think that Matt Moore can do enough to beat the, the Broncos. He almost did enough to beat the Packers. I, 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 think that, I, I think that if Mahomes cannot hold a football, if he is... If he's having to get shots to, to, to be able to hold the football, and if, if he's having to have just this intensive crap to be able to go out in that field and play, I don't know if you put him through that for the for the Broncos game. I don't know if you put him through I that know. to play the those Denver Broncos. Broncos. Those Broncos are rolling. See what they did to the Texans? Woo! Man, I'm a believer. Cortland Sutton's a believer. He said... Uh, that if the Broncos win, it's going to change up the AFC West or something to that extent. And uh, I said, what, they're uh, going to finish third instead of fourth? I, I don't really know how it's going to change. The Chiefs already clinched it, but uh, Cortland Sutton seems to think so. So uh, we'll just we'll we'll let him think that. We'll see what happens. I think Mahomes is going to play. I, I don't think that he's going to sit. I don't think that they're going to start Matt Moore. I think that if he wasn't going to play, we'd, we'd kind of know a little bit more about the situation by now. But... It's only Thursday, so 
the injury report today could have something totally different than yesterday, but I think he'll play. We'll see on Sunday afternoon. You mentioned that the Broncos beat the Texans last week, which helped the Chiefs. Can the Jets yeah. pull off a miracle against Baltimore on Thursday Night Football? Short week. No. They, the Ravens played a tough game against the Bills. No. Your Bills, your favorite team, the Buffalo Bills, with your MVP, Josh Allen. Okay. Can the, che- right. can, can the Jets go to Baltimore as 16.5-point underdogs on Thursday Night Football no. and beat the Ravens? Sam Darnold doesn't have mono anymore. Le'Veon Bell probably still has the flu, although he was bowling on Saturday night. If you read the New York Times, which, God, that's where journalism is right now that we're talking about when people bowl. But, (laughs) nonetheless. Uh, No. No. I think the spread should be wider. Uh, The the, the, uh, Ravens have beaten every good team that they've played except for the Chiefs, and I don't even know who their other loss is to. Um, Oh, it was the Browns early in the season. Uh, yeah, yeah, whenever no. Baker Mayfield dominated that thing, Nick no. Chubb. No, no, no. Da, Baker Mayfield. They're going to do it again here in a couple is. weeks. I think it's next. The week only thing that Baker Mayfield has dominated is endorsement deals from commercials. He has he shout has out Progressive. A lot of money from that. Shout out Hulu. They have he, a lot of sports. He has been one of the worst quarterbacks in football, given how good his receiving core is and how effective his offensive line is supposed to be. Um, that being said, Freddie Kitchens is terrible. But, no, back to the... Freddie Kitchens is god-awful. I'll agree with you there. Yes. Yes. Uh, but the I would pick the Ravens here, and I'm going to say the Ravens win by, oh, 24. They win by 24, 30 points. It's it's not going to be close at, at Baltimore unless they have some kind of insane mental lapse. And if they do, I think it, you should definitely question this team's ability. But typically... Uh, John Harbaugh teams do not have that kind of mental lapse. The Ravens go to Cleveland next week to tie that loose end up. We'll see if the Browns can pull it off yet again after beating the Cardinals on Sunday. Again, Thursday Night Football tonight, Jets at Ravens. Our friends at the Action Network have it set, plus 16.5. Download the Action Network to have free bet tracking. I use it all the time. Or pay for an edge subscription and and see what the experts experts are picking in each matchup. I'm taking here. Okay. Let, let me talk through this out loud. The Ravens are a much better team. Mm-hmm. The Ravens should win this game by 40 points if we're just going off talent. Yes. In the NFL, games are a lot closer than they should be. That's just the nature of the beast. You're not gonna you're not gonna play like you do in college FCS schools where you can just dominate them by 40. It's Thursday night football after a grueling week against the Bills, your Bills. Mm. Few teams circle the wagon and, are, and as physical as the Bills on a short week. Mm-hmm. Now, they are at home, so, so let's swing that pendulum back a little bit more towards Baltimore. Baltimore wins the football game. But my question is, is it going to be by 17 points? It's a pretty wide margin. You've Fair. taken the Ravens to cover. Yes. In 100%. that 16 and a half by our good friends over at the Action Network is an interesting line. I'm going to go with the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. 
The times are going to be buzzing when the Jets lose but cover, winning New Yorkers millions. And a Thursday night miracle is going to have to happen for me to win this bet. But I'm going to go with Jets plus 16.5. I just cannot in good faith tell the good listeners out there to bet on this large of a spread on a Thursday. It <laughs> Thursday games are wacky. The Jets are god-awful. Jets are one of the worst teams in football. Should have lost the Dolphins again on Sunday. Got swept by the Dolphins. Should have. Obviously, they escaped Miami. But despite them being hot trash, I I just I cannot in good faith pick a pick a spread this wide on Thursday night football. I can. I just did. Lamar Jackson will take it to this Jets defense. Like, I, I know what Greg Williams is going to try to do. He's just going to try to, like, injure him because he's a dirty coach. He's the guy that was responsible for Bounty Gate. Again, I think that gets swept under the rug, too. Why is that guy still coaching in the league? But anyway, uh, yeah, so he's going to try to injure Lamar Jackson. Uh, but the thing is, is that the Ravens have so much athleticism that if they just come at Lamar Jackson, he can just hand it off to to Ingram over and over and over again. And the Jets have absolutely no way to stop it. The Jets are a pile of trash, and they're not going to fire Adam Gase. Why they hired Adam Gase in the first place is beyond me. So, yeah, no, it's it's over for the Jets. Uh, they know it. The Ravens are trying to vie for the Super Bowl. They're, they're trying to get the one seed. I think they're going to blast the New York Jets at home. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. I think Marcus Peters probably gets like two interceptions. So, um, yeah, it, I, I think it's a blowout. I think the Jets, I think, whoa, don't think that. I think the Ravens are the much better team. I think the Ravens should dominate them. I think the Ravens will win. I think they'll win by two scores even. But 16 and a half points yeah, is a lot. That's a lot of points. And in the it betting is. realm of things, I'll take the Jets here. But, of course, outright, my prediction outright for the game is that the Ravens never look back. They dominate the football game from start to finish, no matter what the score looks like. They impose their will on the little old Jets. Last topic of the day, the NFL is set to conduct a full and thorough investigation of the New England Patriots, of course. Who else? For filming Mm -hmm. the Bengals' sidelines, apparently only eight minutes of film of that sidelines. And I've seen people make jokes about it, which is kind of just the culture we live in now of just getting your jokes off on Twitter about it's only the Bengals. If they're doing this to the Bengals, they're doing this to every team. That's just the way it is. They're not well, just randomly is... picking on the Bengals and Andy Dalton. They don't need an advantage to go beat Zach Taylor, Zach Morris Taylor over there. They're doing this yeah. to every football team, and they got caught. This is Bill Belichick. This is this is Bill Belichick. This is Bill what Belichick. What do you mean? He didn't he know anything he about it. He said that he had nothing to do with it. But what happened in Spygate 1.0? He sent someone to go film Eric Mangini from his staff that just got hired to the Jets. The Jets aren't good. The Jets weren't good then. They haven't been good. But he sent somebody to go film them because there was a new coach. What happened this year? They're playing the Bengals. He sent somebody to go film a new head coach for a bad team. It doesn't matter. If it's a new team, he's sending somebody. He's sending somebody to film the coach, to find their tendencies, to, to memorize their hand signs. To, If you remember in the Super Bowl last season, he said, where is he standing? Talking about, uh, uh, what's his face, the coach for the Rams. Uh, he, he, was, he was trying to find out where he was standing on the sidelines uh, 
the NFL films has him saying it. He's like, where is he standing? He's asking his, his staff, where is he standing? It's because he has the tendencies. He knows where people are standing when they call things. Now, this sounds like conspiracy theory, but in Sp- Spygate 1.0, uh, they, they sent somebody to the sidelines of the New York Jets in 2007 to, uh, to be uh, filming Eric Mangini, uh, and they were ultimately turned in. Uh, Belichick was in great denial over the reports, uh, but they also were reportedly filming the Rams walkthrough before the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, Peyton Manning said that he never would have meaningful conversations in the locker room uh, in Foxborough because he felt like it was tapped. I mean, like, at some point, the NFL has to come to grips with the fact that Patriots are cheaters. They need to do more than take away one pick if they find this to be bad. Now, the Patriots have already admitted wrongdoing. They've already said they've done something wrong. Now, if they don't punish them, I don't understand what the what the rules are. I, I, I don't understand the the, uh, the 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 offensive coordinator for the the Patriots, Josh McDaniels, was hired by the Denver Broncos back in the day, and he got in trouble for something very similar. Why? Because Bill Belichick was his guy. That's who he learned from. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Tom Brady probably gets more out of this than anyone else. If he knows what the defense is calling based on hand signals all the time, I don't actually have a problem with hand signals being stolen. But if he knows, due to this cheating, it hurts him just as much as Belichick. And Belichick, I believe, if this is found true, if, again, he's been found filming for some reason and they've they've found it two three other times that they've had they've had accusations of this i don't see any way that the nfl can't just obliterate the patriots organization with fines with i don't know taking away draft picks i i I think that they that's what they did last time spygate 1.0 it was the largest fine ever given to a head coach they, they took away a first-round draft pick. I think it could be more this time, if it's found true. However, the NFL has downplayed it, and that just makes me very upset, if you can't tell, uh, because they have been cheating. They cheat all the time, and people know it. Eric Mangini said, I know what you do, Bill. Just don't do it to me. What happened? Bill said, I don't think so. Comes to the Jets, films their game. Eric Mangini turns them in. I mean... At some point, we have to come to grips with the Patriots are cheaters. Everybody knows it. And and that's why they're the biggest villain in the NFL. So that's that rant over. That's it. I think the situation is so frustrating because it's not the right way to cheat. It's kind of like the Astros. I mean, if you're getting signs from Reggie Raglan and, and every time he, he hits his helmet to, and alerts his linebackers, they're going to blitz, that's different than you looking to the sideline and, and realizing the actual play that they're funneling in. It, just like if you're staying on second base and you can recognize, okay, when he puts a three down, it's going to be a curveball, and you can tap your thigh on, on the left side and say, hey, it's a curveball coming. But once you start adding electronics into it, film into it, banging on trash cans, alerting them through their headsets, whatever that they're going to be doing, in this case in the NFL, then it becomes a problem. It's no longer good old-fashioned cheating and getting an edge. And being smart, I mean, just being able to realize that in real time, okay, this game, whenever he's doing that, he's blitzing me. You have to you have to realize that over a series of possessions, 
and, and be alert enough to pay attention to that. That takes some skill to cheat, as weird as that sounds. Whenever you add in electronics, whenever you add in filming sidelines of games you're not even participating in, first of all, that adds a whole new element to me, just like it did for the Astros. Sign stealing has been a thing since the 50s in, in baseball. It didn't become a problem until we found out about the cameras in center field. Once you get that advantage, it, it, it gets blown out of proportion and it gets to be too much. And, and you need to come down and punish them. The, the Major League Baseball is going to have a, a huge investigation on the Astros and, and come down on them hard, reportedly, as the NFL showed with the Patriots. Especially being that the Patriots are two-time offenders. Yeah. Or multiple. More than more than once or twice. Probably three or four times they've been accused of this. Walkthroughs before Super Bowls. I mean, eventually it's just got to stop. And uh, I don't know how you do it. Do you remove Bill Belichick? Do you give him an indefinite ban? I don't know. But I, I am sick and tired of this kind of this, this, oh, the Patriots are just this good. Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. Now, I've said that kind of thing before in the past. But at a certain point, he's bent the rules too many times. You can't, you can't, you can bend the rules and say, oh, I, I got caught. I won't do it again. And then it's like, oh, well, he got caught. He's not doing it. But if he does it time and time and time and time again, it is time. It is time for the NFL to come down. And it doesn't sound like they're going to. Yeah. The longer this goes on, I don't think anything will come of it. I think that Pavelchuk should be removed if this happens again. I think that they should even have the possibility of losing an entire draft class. But that's probably too extreme. I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think that at best, in terms of to relieve fan outrage, they're going to fine everyone in the organization, the owner, Robert Kraft, the front office, Bill Belichick, they're going to fine everyone and hope that this story just goes away with what what should be, frankly, an exciting playoffs. You, you saw on Sunday, 49ers Saints looks like an incredible matchup. Ravens Chiefs is going to be an incredible matchup. What they hope will, be, will get washed away come playoff time. It won't get washed away, though, if the Patriots make their run, which, which I think that, that the NFL is kind of in, in fear of now. I will say that you probably got a lot of Chiefs fans fired up there with, with their rant, and a lot of NFL fans in general who listen to this show. I don't think that they have anything to do with the, with the equipment. You didn't say that they did, but I can see where now that this came out hours after the Chiefs misplaced their equipment in New Jersey. People are trying to link the two together. I think that the Chiefs messed up. I think that the Chiefs made an yeah. error, a simple error, that they didn't do the work themselves. They trusted an airline employee to do the work, and it cost them. You know, it cost them the equipment there on time. The equipment still got there. Everything was fine, but I, I, I don't think that was some grand scheme of the Patriots. I'll, you know, I'll let you in on a little secret behind the curtain to the to the listeners at home there was somebody in our slack channel that was having this whole conspiracy that the patriots paid a flight attendant to make sure that the equipment didn't get off the plane uh, and it's the same old patriots crap and and, and that this is something that they, that they do i don't think that the two were correlated i think they just happened to be playing the patriots that week yeah i uh i agree on that i uh yeah no there's there's very little reason to believe the Patriots were involved in this. I think that uh, it would take quite a bit of organization to uh, first know where the Chiefs were going to come in, uh, find a flight attendant that was going to be on that And then that wouldn't plane. you put it on a plane going further away than New Jersey? Yeah. No, you take it to California. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. it's not... It, 
it's not no guys stop let's just let's just chill out the Patriots and we talk so much about how the NFL revolves around money that was a home game for the Patriots and that was a big selling home game for the Patriots they want to play that game they 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 wanted to win the game of course but they didn't want to just forfeit away that game in the sense of you don't even get the ticket sales from it you don't even get the concession sales sales from it this is still a business at the end of the day and Patrick Mahomes even in only his second year is still the biggest draw in the NFL yep for sure but one kind of positive note about Bill Belichick because we did just absolutely decimate his career the HBO special with him and Nick Saban was actually enjoyable I I didn't think it would be because I just can't stand either one of those figures. But it was actually a, a good series. Um, well, I guess show because it wasn't multiple series, multiple episodes. But I encourage everyone who has access to HBO to watch that. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Which I didn't expect I because Bibolacek is not entertaining at all. No. He's not. And I, in that I, I episode, it, it was funny. Nick Saban was talking about how he hates whenever people go and take his assistance away because, you know, that, you know, just why you would hate taking your assistance away, obviously. And then Lane Kiffin the next day says at Ole Miss that he's going to try his hardest to get every single Alabama assistant to jump ship and go to Ole Miss. Well, it's an idea. <laughs> I mean, I mean okay. I, do what you got to do to win. I, I, I think that that's not cheating. That See, that's that's within the rule book. Uh, just don't record the sideline. That's it. Just don't record it. And, you know, it's not cheating. And also, Nick Saban's had a lot of success against his, his assistants. So has Bill Belichick, you know. But nonetheless, that's pretty much all we got today. Any final words from you, Grant? Uh, I'm looking forward to a Broncos preview. Uh, I think that we win this week, but we'll get into that later. And I'm ready to make some picks and get it right every time. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Follow Arrowhead Addict uh, on Twitter. Follow our podcast on Twitter. Follow me. Follow Ryland. Um, we have some pretty good content. Um, I have a, I have an article coming out about how the Chiefs can possibly win uh, the the number two seed uh, going into the playoffs coming out soon. Uh, so keep an eye out for that and uh, look at everything that people post on that wonderful wonderful site. Yeah, that's Grant Tuttle. You can follow him on Twitter at GrantTMNTuttle. You can follow Arrowhead Addict at Arrowhead Addict. You can follow myself, Ryland Styles at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N-S-T-I-L-E-S. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. As a part of the Fans Added Podcasting Network, we'll have the Broncos preview for you tomorrow. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you whenever we preview Drew Locke coming to town and the Denver Broncos. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.